All right, good morning once again. Glad to have you with me here in Houston, Texas. I trust you've had a good week and you're ready to settle down and just spend a few minutes and allow yourself to be stretched and expanded a little bit. I want to talk to you this morning about uh, what I would call life's biggest revelation. Life's biggest revelation. Arguably, the biggest revelation that you can encounter in life. And once this one is settled down uh, into your life, it opens up uh, a spectrum of other revelations in truth that are mind-boggling. But this, I think this is the big one. I want to begin over in Psalm 127, verse 1. You might want to take a few notes this morning if uh, you need a second to run and get a paper and pencil, jot down some scriptures, always take down some notes. Uh, I think what we teach on Sunday morning um, really gives you some good material to go back and meditate on during the week when you're having some quiet time. So it's always good to take a few notes and <clears throat> the Spirit of God will probably tell you some things that I'm not bringing out in the teaching. I mean, that's just the way the Spirit of Revelation works. We, we talk about things, but the Spirit of God quickens some other things to you as we go along. So it's always good to have a paper and pencil handy whenever we get together on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. All right, let's begin over in Psalm 127 and verse 1, life's biggest revelation. <clears throat> David said this, Psalm 127, verse 1. He said, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. All right, now I want to take the first part of that verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, so there's a building that's going on here, they labor in vain that build it. So we've got two kinds of construction going on in this house. We've got the Lord building it, and we've got other people building it. We've got folks building it. It's a, it's a, it's a teamwork, it's a joint effort of building the house. But the, the writer of Psalms makes a, a really important point. He said, unless the Lord's involved in this construction, unless he's the one that's actually building the house, then those of us that are supplying the hands to actually do the construction, he said, we're just laboring in vain. So there has to be, uh, there has to be an architect of the house, and the architect of the house has to be the Lord, and he gives instructions on how the house is to be built, and the house, when it's is built exactly as he wants it. Now, when I re read that scripture, I hope that you understood that you're the house that he's talking about here. He's not talking about a brick and mortar building. He's not talking about the church. He's not talking about a temple. He's building a house that's not made with hands. It's, he's building a house without human help. So when we talk about this joint effort in this first verse, he's not talking about you actually laying your hands to something to build it. He's talking about you simply cooperating and submitting to what it is that he is, is doing. Now, when he builds this house, he's building it uh, for some permanency. In other words, he's not building this house, you. Understand, you're the house, not, not a building uh, with, with cement and bricks. He's talking about you. You're the house. And when he builds this house, he's not building it for an occasional habitation. I know that's probably what a lot of you spent your life looking for is what's the next visitation? What's, when's the next time the Lord's going to show up on the scene? He's not building a house for an occasional visitation when you're able to beg him to stop by for an overnight visit, for a sleepover. That's not what he's got in mind here. When the Lord builds the house, he's building you not for a visitation. He's building you for a habitation. He's building you for a permanent dwelling place, a permanent residence. 
So when he, as he builds, he's bringing you up to speed to where he's always been. He's, he's bringing you into a place of residence with himself. Your habitation is in him. <clears throat> so he's building you. He's constructing you to come to an awakening, to come to an acknowledgement that your place of dwelling is in him. And he's constructing that mindset. He's constructing, he's bringing about that awakening, not through uh, laboring with hands. Uh, he's building it through uh, some, some revelation. And I want to get into that in just a minute about how he builds the house. But let me just make a few points as we're laying some foundation this morning. All right, so you're the house, you're the building. He's building it, he's building it, you're cooperating. You're seeing what he's doing and you're submitting to it. And let me just hasten to add that the father is not a track home builder. You know, you know what I mean by that? You go, to, you go out in a subdivision outside of town and they'll have three or four model homes and then you go through the model homes and you pick the model home that you like and there's some variations to it. Basically, you pick one of three or four model homes and then they build that home on a site for you. He's not, he's not cookie-cuttering you after other people. He's, he doesn't take three or four types of people. He doesn't take... Uh, uh, Fred and David and Mary and Joanne and say, okay, everybody's going to fit the pattern. Everybody's, I've got those four models and I'm going to build you. I'm going to construct you to be like one of these models. He doesn't do that. He's not a track home builder. He's a custom builder. <laughs> that means you're an original. That means you're a, you're a, you're a perfect design just for him. You're, you're as unique in this building that he's doing. You're as unique as a snowflake. I've heard it said that there are no two snowflakes that are ever exactly alike. And so as he builds you, as he constructs you as his building, his place of habitation, and your habitation is in him as, he, as he's talking about this, this life of union together, there's nobody else like you. He's willing to dwell in our uniqueness. We have a unique personality, a unique temperament. <clears throat> the likes that we have in life, our dislikes are, are unique to us. He's putting together, in your life, he's building a masterpiece. I think when you begin to think in terms of masterpiece, and you can see how he needs to do the construction himself. He doesn't need your help doing it. Paul said it like this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, let's, let's go over there. Let's, let's read this exactly as, as Paul said. I was going to do a, kind of a little bit of a paraphrase, but I think Paul did a great job on this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, we are his workmanship. All right, that, that fits what, what David said in Psalm 127.1, that the Lord's building a house. Paul said, you are his workmanship. All right, he's building you. He's developing you. <clears throat> now notice what Paul says, how he's building you. For you're his workmanship that created in Christ Jesus. That's where you were created. That's always, that's always been your place. That's always been how he has seen you. He has always... He's always placed you. You have, you have, from the very beginning, you have been his workmanship, and there's never been a time that you weren't in Christ. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now watch the uniqueness of this. For good works, which he has before ordained, or he has set in place, and he built you. <clears throat> this is where the custom design comes in. He has built you in such a way that you can do the good work, the work that, and a good work is a work that he designed for you. Not, I don't do your work, you don't do my work. We're each built in a unique way. He's building us. 
we're his workmanship. The only thing we have, have somewhat in common is we're all built in Christ Jesus. He's deposited into us certain abilities, temperaments, likes, dislikes, so that as we begin to express that, we're expressing the uniqueness with which he's developed us with. He's putting the final touches, he's putting the last strokes on an original. Everything that you sense coming up in your life, every, all, the revelation you're seeing, the, the, the things that he's showing you that you never saw before, those are, it's kind of like Da Vinci standing back and saying, I need just one little, one little touch there and the masterpiece is done. He looks at your life and he says, I, I am the master builder. I have built you. I have designed you in Christ Jesus. I have deposited within you abilities and likes, dislikes, uniqueness, that you might do the work that I assigned you to do because I, I put that in you. I, I, I wired you. Everything that I did when I constructed you was to this end that you fulfill what I, what I designed for you. So let me ask you this. How does he build the house? How does he build the house? Well, first, first of all, before we even get into construction, you have to understand, you have to acknowledge that you're the house <laughs> and you're open to that. And when you're open to that, that means you're willing to allow him to make the adjustments, the shifts, the changes that he needs to make as you submit yourself to construction. So you have to acknowledge it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, he said, don't you know that you are the temple of God? You're the house, the building, and that the Holy Spirit lives in you. So we've got, we've got the master builder working. We've got the material of construction, which is the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth. All we have to do now is acknowledge that yeah, I'm the temple. I'm the building. I'm the house. And he's building me. So we can, we can just kind of set back. We can relax with this. We can rest. We can trust. We can believe that, he's, that he that began a good work, the construction within us is going to be the one that also is able to finish it. So you, I know that you've become aware of some things. I, I think you're far enough along in your walk now, you've been with me long enough, that you know how he is not building your house. All right? I'm going to talk to you about how he's building you, how he's constructing, but let's just, let's just review this. We, we, I think, understand how he's not building us. He's not building us by behavior modification, right? He's not trying to get you to act a certain way so that he can be pleased with your actions and go, all right, there's the building that I built and because your behavior is right. He's not, build, he's not building you by correct doctrine. Your doctrine is going to change. I've encouraged you to keep your theology fluid. I've encouraged you to know that what you believe today, you may not believe exactly the same next year. I mean, just look back five years, six years, seven years, even how he has, in constructing you, how he's come in and he's tweaked your theology, he's tweaked your doctrine. So that now you're, you're not believing, you're, you're, your eyes aren't seeing the same that they always saw. So he's not building you by behavior modification. He's not just trying to get you to act like a puppet, to just respond a certain way to him all the time. He's not building you by correct doctrine. He's not building you by any visible action that we try to summon up within ourselves. That's how religion tried to build you. Some of you were 20 years under construction with the wrong materials, with the wrong motivation, with the wrong insight. So now we've come to that realization, okay, look, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't, that doesn't produce what he's looking for. Regardless of all the learned religious effort that we try 
to perfect and practice? Didn't, didn't we go through all of that for years? We'd go and we'd hear something in church on Sunday morning that we needed to perfect in our life and they would try to practice it. We were always trying to perfect and practice, perfect and practice. We could never work it out right. It never, it never came to the conclusion that it should have. So regardless of all the learned religious effort that we tried to perfect and practice, perfect and practice, perfect and practice, we finally see that all of that, if it's not backed up by a spiritual awareness, if the light doesn't come on within, then all we can expect is this limited short-range result as long as we're on this emotional high. Now do you understand why you live such an up and down life in your Christian experience? It's because you, the building wasn't coming from within. You were trying to construct without. Religion always works from the outside to the inside. When, when the father builds a house, he always works. Listen, he works from the inside to the outside. So all, all, of, the, uh, all of the practicing, all of the perfecting, uh, trying to make it look good, that, that doesn't amount to a hill of beans because it starts on the outside. That's not the way he builds. He's a builder that builds from within. He's building his people. He's building a house that's able to stand, withstand any circumstances that blow on it from without. And the way he builds it to stand that is to construct you from within. If there isn't a spiritual awareness, if there's not a spiritual quickening, if the light doesn't come on, and you, you, are, you are strengthened from inside. If, if he's not forming what he wants first within you. Look, it'll show on the outside. But we've tried to shortcut it. We've tried to make, we've tried to forget the inward development, the inward illumination, the inward revelation that comes as he constructs. And we've tried to, we've tried to jump over to where we perfect from the outside. And it doesn't work well. It hasn't worked well at all. So everything that he constructs, and he wants to construct you in such a way that you're able to withstand anything that blows against you in life, all of the circumstances, all the things that push back against you from the outside, and he strengthens and builds you then from the inside. Now let's look at how Jesus began to unwrap this. In Matthew chapter 16, let's look how Jesus begins to give us a little bit of insight into this, and I'm not to the, I'm not to the biggest revelation in life yet. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But I'm just setting the stage for you. I want, I want you to begin to think in a certain direction with me this morning. I want you to begin to think construction from within. Construction from within. He's not building me by appearances. He's not, he's not putting a good coat of paint on it. And inside there's, there's no building. He's building us from within. All right, now watch. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Familiar words. <clears throat> This is where Jesus is going through with the guys and he's trying to find out who they really think he is. So Peter pipes up in verse 16 and Peter's got an answer. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now we're talking about how Jesus is going to begin to construct a house. Verse 17, Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. He's the one that showed you this. He's the one that took the, 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 the veil off and you saw that. Verse 18, I say to you, that you are Peter and upon this rock I'll build my building. I'll build my building. And the gates of hell, things that, that are external, will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. You're operating. You can come in, come out. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Now, 
Jesus is looking at them. And before Peter makes this proclamation, he said, now remember that, that was an inward revelation that Peter got. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But before he got to that, and I didn't read the verse on purpose, because Jesus, before he gets to this inward revelation, he asks them, he says, who does it by appearance, by outside observation? When, when men look at me, when they look at the external house, who do they say that I am? Are, are, they, getting, are they getting the right view? <clears throat> so in verse 14, if we back it up, they said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Because, I mean, he, 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 you know, he came out of the desert like John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. You got this, you got this uh, power ministry going on, and they relate it to Jeremiah and Elijah. So by external appearances, it looked like God had created another John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah. But Jesus is going deeper than that because Jesus is trying to show them that the Father did not build Jesus from the outside in by appearances, nor does he build you that way. So Jesus takes down a level and he says, okay, that's good, but let me ask you the $64,000 question. Who do you say that I am? So in verse 16, Peter says this. He said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. All right, now there's a two, two-fold working that's going on here. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter says, all right, first of all, I see by revelation that you're the Christ. Christ is eternal spirit. Christ was the creative force of the universe. Christ is what holds everything together. Then the second part, he said, I see by revelation is that you're also a flesh manifestation of that eternal Christ, you are the son of the living God. We call you Jesus or Yeshua, Jesus. So Peter caught it on, on two glimpses. Peter said, I got my revelation. You're not Jeremiah. You're not Elijah. That's what it looks like outside. That's what the house looks like by external appearances. But I know by revelation that you are the eternal spirit that has come in flesh form. You're the creative force. You're the one that holds everything together in the universe. So that, that house that the Father constructed that we see outwardly as Jesus, but inwardly was constructed out of the material of the Christ, we see that that house was built, this is so important, that house Jesus was built to contain the fullness of the Godhead in that house, in that external house, in that Jesus. He built he deposited within that house. In fact, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, <clears throat> Paul, puts it, Paul puts it like this. For in Jesus dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Right. So the, the house, the building, the body was not built from the outside where, where Jesus could just do what he needed to he felt like he needed to do. <clears throat> the house was constructed, listen, to contain inwardly the fullness of the Godhead. Now, if he had not been wired and constructed from within to contain the fullness of the Godhead, all Jesus would have been was another human, right? Another human. There is no such thing as another human. But just by appearances, it would just look like everybody else on the street. But in fact, <clears throat> the Father had uniquely designed Jesus, the flesh man, to contain Christ, the eternal spirit. 
Now, if it's true that as he is, so are we in this world, then he has built you to be a carrier of all that he is. Now, do you understand? He, doesn't, he can't build that just by an external appearance. He has got to do a lot of inward work in us to, 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 to mold us inwardly to be able to contain. <clears throat> and it's all there. Believe me, it's all there. We're awakening to it. We're seeing it. We're starting to live it out. The suns are manifesting today. We're starting to see it. So if we are as he is in this present world, and if the Father built that house, Jesus, to contain inwardly <clears throat> the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, then, then he has built you the same way. In fact, verse 10 says, after he says in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, in verse 10, it says that. It says, and you are complete in him. So Paul's saying, look, the same stuff that he is, you are. He, the Father has built you to contain all that Jesus contained. John said it like this in John chapter 1 and verse 16, speaking about Jesus. It says, and of his fullness, of the fullness of Jesus, we have all received. Peter caught it in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. Peter got it. Peter said that there have been given to us exceeding precious promises. And those are what build us inwardly, these precious promises. That by these, listen, by these, these exceeding precious promises, you might come to the realization that he has constructed you to be a partaker of the divine nature. You can't be just a, when you're a partaker of the divine nature, you don't, that, you can't just get a little bit of divine nature. That's like being just a little bit pregnant. That doesn't work that way. Either you are or you're not. So when he says that you're a partaker of the divine nature, let me, let me substitute a word for partaker. Let's put the word a sharer in. Let's put, let's put a, a fellow heir of. Let's begin to look at it as being a joint heir with Jesus. All right? So when we are a joint heir with him, what he has, we have. If he is a... If he contains the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, then guess what you have within you? You have the fullness of the Godhead and you are in bodily form. <clears throat> he was Jesus and you're Billy Bob. He contained the Christ. You contain a eternal spirit the same way that Jesus contained the Christ. So we're, we're beginning, we're awakening this. We're under construction. Now here's the problem. Here's the problem. This, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, and we're, we're working toward this big revelation in just a minute. Here's the problem. Religion has hypnotized us into thinking that we're something less than what I'm explaining to you. Religion has hypnotized us into thinking that we're just mere people, that we're frail, uh, um, sinful, separated, born with a a nature that is contrary to God. We're just people. We're of a Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Elijah type. We just appear some way. And through the generations that have evolved, we have forgotten who we are. That's been our problem. And nobody has ever told us who we are. It's only been the last 8 or 10, 12 years that we have heard anything about identity, that we heard anything about uh, actually who we are in Christ. There was... That used to be kind of a buzz phrase. You need to know who you are in Christ, but nobody ever told us. Nobody was ever willing to step over the line and tell us we're a partaker of the divine nature. Nobody ever unpacked it for us. That's the word I'm looking for. Nobody ever unpacked for us what that phrase meant. 
And maybe we didn't because it was so strong and so bold. We didn't have, well, first of all, we didn't have revelation of it entirely. Second of all, it's so strong and so bold that religion couldn't have handled it. But we're finally seeing it today. We've had amnesia. We can't remember. <clears throat> now, here's the key. If you don't know by revelation who he is, and it came by revelation to Peter, thou art to Christ, the son of the living God. If you don't know by revelation who he is, you'll never know who you are because you'll never see yourself more than what he is. See, the, te the, the student is never greater than the teacher, but it's good that the student be as the teacher. So as our understanding of him goes, as he continues to construct this house from the inward to the outward, it shows on the outward. As he constructs you from within, you begin to understand more and more who you are. So how, how then did Jesus say the house would be built? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> how did Jesus say then that the house would be built? Matthew chapter 16, let's pick it back up in verse 16 and verse 17. Matthew chapter 16. Just hold on. We're, we're getting somewhere this morning that's, that's going to be good. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16. How's he build the house then? Peter said to him, you're the Christ, son of the living God. Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't get it from man, but my father, which is in heaven. So how does he build the house? He builds it by revelation from the inside to the outside. You begin to see things that you never saw before. Peter never saw, Peter never saw that he was Christ, the son of the living God, until the Father revealed it to him. Now, as he constructs you, as he builds you, there are going to be periods of time that is not visible on the outside what's going on inside of you. I took a little bit of a shift there, so let me say it again. As he constructs, as you see things, Peter saw it. As you see, he builds the house by revelation. As he builds you, there will be periods of time that you don't appear any different on the outside. Because remember, he's not building you from the outside. There will be periods of time that you look, demonstrate you have the same flesh flaws that you've always had. It's not always visible what's going on in the inside. He's building inside to outside. That's the pattern. So I want to suggest to you this morning that there's a lot more going on inside of you that you don't see and people don't see on the outside. The taller the building, the deeper the foundation has to be below the surface where you don't see. In Houston, Texas, it's not unusual. I've done, I've, this has happened to me any number of times. I would drive down a street in Houston, downtown or, you know, outside of town on the freeways. And all of a sudden I would see this huge building and I go, where did that come from? I, I didn't see that before. It's like this, this huge building just sprung up out of nowhere. Now it didn't spring up out of nowhere. The truth is this. They had been working a long time below the surface of the ground. And usually in those big construction sites, they put up a fence, you know, that with the black plastic around. You can't really see what's going on. So it appears as though nothing is taking place. You know, something's going on, but you know, don't know exactly what it is. But they were, they've been building behind that, that shield, behind that wall for any period of months. And sometimes 
you know, more a year or more, they have just been putting the foundation down. It, you can't see anything. It's not visible. And that's the way he works in our life. The, the bigger the building, the more that he's going to do in your life, the more that's going to go on that you don't see and that others may not see. You, you appear on the outside be, to be the same. He's building you and he's tweaking you. He's depositing into you. And then one day, all of a sudden, it's like you appear out of nowhere. And people, people look at you and, and, and they're astonished. They go, something different about you that I've never noticed before. All right? Now they finally see the outside of the building appearing different. It didn't just happen in a day. The building, the construction had been going on for a long time. This is exactly what Jesus, what the Father always did. He built Jesus, Moses, David, Paul. They were all constructed. The building of their life was all constructed out of sight in the desert. Nobody, nobody could see it. It did not appear. And he did it by revelation. In, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 80, it says that John was in the wilderness. Listen, he was in the wilderness until the day of his appearing. Now, some of you have burned out because you've been in the wilderness, right? You can't understand what the heck's going on. Nothing's changing. Well, if, visibly, it looks like nothing is. Inwardly, he's constructing. He's showing. He's teaching. He's revealing. Your mind may not catch it yet, but trust me, there's work going on in your spirit that maybe other people don't see because it's not visible. You don't see it because it's not visible. You're not aware of it. The construction is going on. We've undergone a lot of construction not made with hands until one day, it says in Luke 180, until the day of his appearing. God's constructing you. There is a day of your appearing. There is a day when all of a sudden you begin to manifest as a son of God. Jesus said about John the Baptist, this guy that was built in the wilderness till the day of his appearing, Jesus said about him in Matthew chapter 11 and 11, he said, there isn't anybody that has ever existed in the kingdom of God that is greater than John the Baptist. Now, by appearances, probably John the Baptist would not be on your top five, right, of great men in the Bible. You'd look at Abraham, you'd look at Moses, you'd look at David, you could tick off any number. Yet Jesus looks at him and he says, there's anybody that has been greater. <clears throat> the greatest in the kingdom, greatness in the kingdom is tallied up by how well the building was constructed and then the good works that he preordained for you to do, how well those are actually lived out in our life, right? And John the Baptist, his whole purpose was to be the forerunner for Jesus. So Jesus evidently thought John the Baptist did a really good job in what he was sent to do. Now, we look at it outwardly and say, well, I think Moses did a better job leading three million people out of Egypt or David uh, was the only prophet, priest, and king outside of Jesus. I think David was a, was a greater man. But Jesus looked at John the Baptist based on the construction of his house, based on the fulfillment of the good works the Father deposited within him, the building of his house. And he looks at him and says, this guy really expressed it well. So as this inner construction, this house not made with hands, this dwelling place of God begins to rise up in visibility, you're going to start recognizing. There's a stirring in your life that goes on and you're going to recognize it <clears throat> by the revelation that begins to spring in your life. In that 18th verse of, of, of uh, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, 
just after he made the confession, I'll build my church, my, my building, my people, and the gates of hell, anything that is outside that creates death will not be able to prevail against it. So no matter how hard the gates of hell push against this building that he has constructed by revelation, by revelation, the house will stand. Look, the rock that he built on was not Peter. <laughs> I know the Catholic Church says that Peter's the rock. He's the first pope. Okay, that's fine. But I'm telling you, he's not the foundation or the building block of your life. The rock that Jesus could build on was the revelation that Peter saw. What you're seeing with the single eye of the Spirit, what he's, what he's revealing to you. You, you, you'll recognize that he's building this. You'll finally hit this stage of building in, in your life, your development, where you'll begin to recognize revelation flowing into your life. You'll begin to see what you've never seen before. And that seeing starts to build a subtleness and a peace that maybe had been not so subtle and not so peaceful because you didn't recognize what he was doing. Now you're starting to recognize what he's doing. I feel more settled, more peaceful in my life today and I'm seeing more than I ever saw, which is requiring more shifts and changes and paradigm changes, you know, ch changes in my life uh, because of what's happening. But I feel very settled and peaceful about it. Now he has to build you and bring you to that place. Otherwise, otherwise you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to be shaken. All right. So he has to build you step by step. And you're going to recognize it because one day all of a sudden, and you're, most of you are at that point. You're seeing things you never saw before. You're, you're making changes. And Jesus gives us an insight on, on building your life. He gives us a great insight on this habitation that the Father's building by revelation. He, he tells us exactly how you can help the process move along. In Matthew chapter 7, look what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 7. This is a great key on what he's doing. Now, I'm not, I'm not to the, the biggest revelation of life yet, but I'm, I'm getting there, right? Just hold on. We're getting there. There's one more little key I want to drop in here on what Jesus said, because we're talking about building. We're talking about something important, and we're going to see what it was that was the basis of everything in the life of Jesus that enabled him to do everything that he did. But let's, let's look. Matthew chapter 7, one, one more little key. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, that doesn't mean you're hearing them with your ears, that means you're hearing them from within, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man that builds his house on a rock, or revelation. The revelation comes. When you hear what he's saying to you internally, and you respond to it, you respond to it, then all of a sudden, this rock of revelation begins to be the place that the house is built on, where, that your life is built on. And here, here comes from the outward. I told you that he's building you inwardly to withstand everything that the world could throw at you outwardly. So here it comes. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, beat on the life, and it did not fall, for it was founded on revelation. It was founded on what we didn't see before. It was founded on a work not made with hands. It was founded on the will, the plan, and, and the execution from start to finish of the Father. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is totally his work. So what do we do? We just cooperate. We, when he shows us, we respond to it. Right? Now here's what happens. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, doesn't respond, does, maybe just hears with their ear. He's like a foolish guy. 
So life circumstances. And look, we all face the same rain. Come on. We all face the same storms, the same problems, the same dilemmas, the same potential to upset our life. The only difference is now this floods came, the winds blew, beat on a house, and it fell, and great was the fall. And so it is, Jesus said, it ended these things that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. <clears throat> so the building blocks are what Jesus says to you. I got to emphasize this. Because what Jesus says to you, he said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. So what Jesus says to you may not be what he says to me. And what he says to me may not be what he says to you. You know why? I told you he's not a cookie cutter. He's not a track home builder. He says what we need to hear ourselves personally. Because we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he before ordained that we would walk in them. So he needs to say different things to me because my house is being built different than your house. I can't, I can't come over to you and say, you don't know what you're talking about. Jesus isn't talking to you like that. You need to be the one that determines what Jesus is saying to you because he is building your house in a unique way. Here's the, here's the point. The building blocks are what Jesus says to you. A wise man that builds his house, he builds it on what Jesus is saying to them. So don't run around looking at everybody else and what, what, what they're living and how they're doing and, and, and the big word from the prophet to everybody else and you reach out. And, you know, I've been in meetings where everybody said, well, this is a word, you grab it for yourself. No, you don't grab it for yourself. It, he, he's not mass marketing a word for the entire congregation. He wants to say something unique to you. There's a building block of building blocks, however, that begins to rise up within. The thing that he is building on, and this is, this is the big one right here, right? This is what Jesus built on. Everything else centers around this building, this block right here. Six words, six words that must raise your consciousness if you hit the revelation of revelations or the biggest revelation in life, here they are. Six words. This, this is what Jesus said. John chapter 10 and verse 30. Are you ready? Listen. John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus said six words. The Father and I are one. All right? Do you know that today? Has, has that settled into your spirit yet? I mean, you've heard it. I know you've heard it because I've said it a lot, a lot of times. Everything Jesus did sprang from that one revelation. That 24-7 awareness of oneness. It was no more, a, a, you know, a God out in heaven and Jesus on the earth and the two were totally separated. If, if you believe that, if it's, if it's truly revelation, Here's why it's so doggone important. The Father and I are one. Now, if that has become true in your life, a revelation, I'm not just talking about head knowledge, then there's no more asking for things. There's no more trying to get to be or to have or to achieve. There's no more welcoming his presence or waiting on his presence. There's no more of this come Holy Spirit business. Jesus never was about any of that because six words came to him and he knew. And he, I believe Jesus, the flesh man, got this by revelation. Yes, he was Christ, the eternal spirit. 
but he made himself of no reputation. But at the same time, he didn't feel that it was robbery to be equal with God. So that's the revelation, right? So the equality was the oneness. If, if you really believe that, if you really believe that, your days of praying to get are done. Or to be. All you have to do is be. Be what you be. Be who you are. Or to have something. Or to achieve. Or to welcome his presence. Jesus never prayed any of that. Why? Why did Jesus not spend hours praying the crap that we spent hours praying for? Because he knew the Father and I are one. So what I would say to you this morning is this. Rightly speaking, there is not God in you. There's not two entities here. But God is continually manifesting as you. You got it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, there's not two. There's one. The Father and you are one this morning. You have to get this. In this oneness, which assures you that everything that comes into your life works perfectly. Everything is being joy. He's, he, is, he is building you. He is, you are his workmanship. So the wealth, the health, the, the mental stability, all the affairs of life, they are not dependent on this far off God. Now we've made it that way and there have been times that we feel so separated from God because we haven't integrated the Father and I are one into our life. We haven't integrated into our life that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in us in our bodily form. This awareness that you and the Father are one leads to a kingdom life of abundance that we now possess. And out of that revelation, that biggest revelation of life, this, everything else is going to come out of this one. All of your security, everything that you need in life to function. So that you, if you really got this, then you can say what Jesus said when he said, I can of my own self do nothing. Come on, man, that really takes the pressure off, doesn't it? And that takes the heat off. Then he follows it up with saying, the father that's in me, he does the works. The father that's in me, he doeth the works. Now, until you meditate on that single revelation, until your mind lays down its life, until your mind lays down its ego, until that revelation settles in as your reality all you're ever going to do is make declarations of truth, right? You're going to say things like, well, you know, I'm standing on the promises. Boy, that's a big one. What, do you, what does that mean? I'm standing on the promises or I'm just going to, I'm going to keep saying the word over and over and over again because I know that builds my faith. Now that, that might make you a good little charismatic. That might make you a good little word of faith person. But you'll never manifest as a mature son of God until you know that you and the Father are one. The truth that rises from within you, you will not be able to impart it to other people until out of that oneness you're able to, to speak. See, we read statements of truth in the Bible. There are a lot of statements of truth in the Bible. There are a lot of statements of truth in books that you read. And there are good statements of truth. But it's truth himself that quickens to you what's in between the lines of what you're reading. What, what, what are you saying? All right, let me, let me be real practical. How many times have you ever read the Bible and all of a sudden a light comes on that has nothing to do with what you're reading? 
You know what that is? That's the spirit of truth speaking to you. And you, you're open because you're reading the Bible. But that's what you're reading is not what he wants to say to you. <laughs> so all of a sudden you're reading along and he just drops a bomb in, into your spirit like that. He just drops it right into you. How many, how many times, how many truth bombs have dropped into your spirit? And all you're doing is driving down the road in your car, minding your own business, not thinking about anything at all, but bam, there's something in your spirit that is, and you wow. And things start, start coming together for you. See, that's the difference between a statement of truth and words that truth himself has given to you. Words, words of truth are good, but truth himself is building a word into you that will construct your life exactly like he wants it. See, it's no longer you that does the work. It's him that does the works. Jesus said, of my own self, I can do nothing. And I think that's what Paul was getting at in Galatians chapter 1. I'm, I'm going to start winding this down. Right? Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. You know, you know, the, you know the words. Galatians 2, 19 says this. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. So I finally said, look, I, I died to the law. I died to all my, my, my self-effort. I died to my trying to pull myself up by my spiritual bootstraps. I died to that, and I found myself then able to live to God. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. All right? So we're talking about recognition, building the house, seeing what he's doing within us internally. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ that lives in me. And that Christ that is in you is doing some building. And watch, he does all of it too. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. So there's a, there's a preposition in, in verse 20 that the King James got right. And a lot of translators missed it. It says that I now live by, King James says, by the faith of the Son of God, which means his done, his doing, his ability. A lot of translators missed it, the preposition, and said we live by faith in the Son of God, which means you have to do it. Now, the preposition is the Greek word ek, E-K. And it means simply out from within. It means place of origin. So ek, or as the King James rightfully said, we're living out from, or we're living from a place of origin, the faith that, comes from the Son of God himself. We're living out from his faith. His faith is what produces. His faith is what builds. You build your house on the truth that it's his faith, his working, you and the Father are one. That's John chapter 10, verse 30. Four chapters later, Jesus now expands the circle and brings you into this oneness when he says, it's, it's like Colossians 2, 9, in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily, then verse 10, you're complete in him. Jesus pulls the same thing, John 10, 30. The Father and I are one. Chapter 14, verse 20, he widens the circle and pulls you in and says, in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father, right? John chapter 10, verse 30, the Father and I are one. In that day, you'll know I'm in the Father, we're one. Now he widens it and puts an arm around you and brings you in and says, you'll know that I'm in you and that you're in me. That day that you know was 2,000 years ago, but now we're just waking up to the truth. 
So the day, here's, here's the deal, guys. The big, the big revelation of life is knowing your union, your oneness, your inclusion. The day of just confessing truth, of simply making faith declarations to psych ourselves up or try to get ourselves in a good emotional position, that day is over. But the day, of the day of truth himself rising up from within, building your life from within, constructing you in a way that whatever life throws your way is not going to destroy you. The day of knowing that you are one with deity, that day is here. Your days of walking as a mere human are done. They're finicked. They're finished. They're behind you. And the day of being the Christ in the earth is upon us. Can you read that? Can you handle that? Can you meditate? I, I, I double dog dare you this week to just take John 1030 and you make it your meditation. The Father and I are one. And see if that doesn't begin to change perception and begin to see if other things don't begin to flow to you out of that realization. Amen. You and the Father are one. All right, we're going to leave it right there. We'll pick up next week. See you Wednesday night. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of everything that's going on here. We're a team. Uh, as one person said, we're part of a big family, man. This family is not just confined to a, a brick and mortar building at a street address. We're around the world. We got people from all nationalities that come in here and watch this and look at it during the week, depending on time zones. So it's good to be part of something like that. It's good to know you're part of something bigger than yourself and you're seeing that what God is doing in you, he's doing around the world. And he has connected us divinely to one another to carry this message. God bless you. We'll see you next time at the Digital Cathedral. Have a great week.